This series came out of a Facebook post. Two weeks ago when we were slammed with snow, I just threw out this idea on Facebook. Fill in the blank for me. God is. I got all kinds of answers. God is holy. God is confusing. God is homophobic. God is cruel. God is good. God is righteous. God is awesome. God is illogical. God is kind. One of my personal favorites. God is drunk. We'll unpack that one. God is mean. God is faithful. God is everything. God is nothing. God is patient. God is in an absolute hurry. And the list went on and on and on. I began to ask myself the question, what in the world's God up to? A couple of days before, I had read a devotional by one of my favorite authors, A.W. Tozer, who said this, what comes into our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. So I started asking questions. I mean, are these answers really the most important thing about us? Because if they are, why are they so confusing? And why are they so diametrically opposed to each other? I mean, how can God be logical to one person and confusing to a different person, but in the same general geographical location? How can God be good to one person and cruel to another? How can God be everything in the mind of one person and completely nothing in the mind of somebody else? And I began to wonder, how would I fill in that blank? God is so-and-so. I asked the question, how would God fill in the blank if He had an opportunity to be able to speak into it? And then I started wondering, if I keep asking these questions, am I going to get struck by lightning? I mean, how exactly is this going to work together? And then I found an invitation to fill in the blank in Scripture. In the book of Matthew chapter 16, the Bible says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, let's just stop there for a second. Caesarea Philippi was a place where Greek and Roman culture intersected. It was known as a place where philosophy and reason could challenge each other. It was a place where you could ask really, really good questions and assumptions were challenged. It was a place where faith and reason just collided head on. So that's where Jesus is going. And then he asked this question. When Jesus came to that region, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others still Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. We're going to invite ourselves into this conversation, okay? It was said to a group of disciples, to a group of followers, that would be us, and so we're going to invite ourselves into this conversation, and we're going to keep working on this until God says we're supposed to stop. So I have no idea how long this series will go. So I've been out doing what I do uh, infamously around Whatcom County. I stand in lines at coffee shops. People stand behind me. I turn around to them and I'll say, I'll buy your coffee if you answer a question. I've never had anybody turn me down yet in over 10 years of doing this. So I've been out asking the people, can you fill in the blank for me? God is. First guy I talked to said, God is dead. And then he quoted Frederick Nietzsche. Years ago, Nietzsche made a bold proclamation. He said, God is dead. And some people hear that and they gasp. So I spent this week reading a bunch of Nietzsche's work because I wanted to find out what would drive somebody to make that statement. That's a pretty bold statement. I found something interesting. People know the first half of the statement, God is dead. What they don't know is the rest of the statement. He said, God is dead and God remains dead and we killed him. Basically, Nietzsche was saying, look, everybody at some level has written God off And what's interesting is this, he wasn't just making a bold declaration, he was actually making a warning. Now, I'm not defending Nietzsche, okay, all right? 
The guy was a nihilist. He believed that all moral code, moral code and religious reason was just complete uh, lunacy. And so I'm not trying to defend him, but it's very, very interesting. His work actually expresses a fear that if religion tends to, or continues to decline and a rise of atheism moves the other way, that we're going to end up with an absence of a higher moral authority, and that's going to result in two basic results, chaos and anarchy. Like Nietzsche was just saying, I think God's being written out. And that scares me to death. So if you extrapolate it out, you could say that Nietzsche meant God is dead, but he should be kept alive in order to protect us from ourselves. I mean, that's an interesting perspective from somebody who's just standing in a line in a coffee shop in Whatcom County, that that would be the first way they filled in the blank. I continued on, asked another guy, can you fill in the blank for me? God is, he goes, yeah, a myth. He's a myth. So there are many people who choose not to believe in God. They hold to the position that God is a myth, that, and we just basically created a character that holds ourselves in check, and if you believe in God, basically, you're an idiot. That's what the guy told me when I told him what I did for a living. He goes, what do you do for a living? I said, I'm a pastor. He goes, oh, you're an idiot. Because you don't understand logic and reason whatsoever. I'm like, okay, that's interesting. Throughout the series, we're going to hear... From guys, Christopher Hitchens, Richard Dawkins, Sam Harris, these are famous leaders in the God is a myth movement. Don't believe me? Christopher Hitchens wrote a book, God is Not Great. And this is what he says. He goes, faith is the surrender of your mind. It's the surrender of reason. It's the surrender of the only thing that makes us different from all the other mammals. It's our need to believe and to surrender our skepticism and our reason, our yearning to discard that and put all of our trust or faith in someone or something. That's the sinister thing to me. Of all the supposed virtues, faith must be the most overrated. Hmm, interesting perspective. Richard Dawkins wrote the book, The God Delusion. He said this, the God of the Old Testament is arguably the most unpleasant character in all of written fiction. He's jealous and proud of it, a petty, unjust, unforgiving control freak, a vindictive, bloodthirsty ethnic cleanser, a misogynistic, homophobic, racist, infanticidal, genocidal, filicidal, pestilential, megalomaniacal, sadomasochistic, capriciously malevolent bully. That's a lot of big words. (laughs) Anybody sound bitter? I mean, wow, all right? But I think it's important that if we're going to be prepared with an answer, that we need to be able to have a dialogue with people who believe something completely different than we do. Let's switch gears. I asked a person standing in a Whatcom County coffee shop, can you fill in the blank for me? God is. And they quoted the great theologian, Bette Midler. Okay, I think I got a picture right here. And they said, God is watching us from a distance. All right? I'm thinking, that's interesting, all right? Basically, God is watching, observing. He's not doing anything. God's kind of like Santa Claus. You better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. He's making a list, checking it twice. Hell for the naughty, toys for the nice. I mean, that's kind of how it goes, right? (laughs) And then there's that whole, he sees you in your sleeping part, which is just weird, all right? So their basic view is God's watching. He's just waiting, kind of staring at you. Until you feel uncomfortable and get in line. Let's move on. I asked another guy, fill in the blank, God is. I loved his answer. He goes, Morgan Freeman. <laughs> he knows you well, especially if your name is Bruce. Let's watch it together. Here it comes. Father, and how'd you get my pager number? Oh, I know quite a lot about you, Bruce. Just about everything there is to know. Everything you've ever said done 
or thought about doing right there in that file cabinet. Wow, a whole drawer just for me. Yeah. Mind if I take a look? Sure, like. That's gonna be good. This last entry was a little disturbing. The gloves are off, God. God has taken my bird and my bush. God is a mean kid with a magnifying glass. Smite me, almighty smiter. Now, I'm not much for blaspheming, but that last one made me laugh. Are you spying on me? Who are you? I'm the one. Huh? Creator of the heavens and the earth. Alpha and Omega. Oh, I see where this is going. Bruce, I'm God. Bingo! Yahtzee! Is that your final answer? Our survey says... Bing, 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 bing. Well, it was nice to meet you, God. Thank you for the Grand Canyon, and good luck with the apocalypse. So apparently, God's a kind-hearted janitor that cleans up messes, gives away his power so that messed up people can learn good life lessons. In the same vein, I asked somebody else, who's God? They said, God's a movie character. In fact, I've got a picture here of several um, pictures of how God is portrayed. In the next year, there are 14 faith-driven movies that are coming to theaters in our neighborhood, and every single one of them is going to depict God in some way. And I'm going to go on record. Some of you won't like it. I don't care. Um, you should see them. And let me tell you why you should see them. You should see them. Not because they're the gospel. Can we get that straight? Not because they're the gospel, but because they're a place where you can start a missional conversation with somebody. I mean, if you're a follower of God, you should probably know what the culture is saying about the God that you love and serve and how He's being depicted. I mean, we need to have an informed opinion at some level. But to some people, God's just a character. He's a role player. He's a depiction and nothing more. I asked another person, fill in the blank. They said, God is an artistic rendering. That's the way we see him sometimes, isn't it? For centuries, artists have created artistic ideas and renderings. I don't understand why God always seems to be prepared, always portrayed as a somewhat muscular older man with white hair and a white beard, and he's always being surrounded or supported by a group of fat babies in diapers with hearts. That just freaks me out, and I keep waiting for a Philadelphia cream cheese logo to show up somewhere on there, all right? The reality is people have been filling in the blank for centuries. The disciples began to fill in the blanks when Jesus asked the question, who do people say that I am? They said, well, some people say that you're John the Baptist. We're not sure about that one because of that whole locust bug eating thing and not sure how you got your head back on your body. Read your Bible, that would make sense, okay? Some people say, oh, we think you're Elijah because you're kind of scrappy and you always seem to be having a snack and taking a nap and that kind of lines up too. Others people, Jesus, people say you're Jeremiah because the truth is you, you, you do cry a fair bit. And some others say you're a prophet, and that kind of fits because every time you open your mouth, like, you're usually getting yourself in trouble. So Jesus presses in. It's like, okay, that's so people say that I am. What about you? Who do you say that I am? 
I'm amazed. I've asked that question to a lot of Christians the last little while. It's funny to me. A lot of people try to sidestep it. As if we're somehow afraid that our real answer is going to show a lack of faith or maybe just kind of bring in a level of honesty that's just going to make us really, really uncomfortable. A couple of weeks ago when I pasted, when I posted this on Facebook, I was amazed because on Facebook, right, your name's still attached to it, right? So it's kind of like, I wonder if I'm only getting the sanitized version of the answers that people would really love to say. Let's just remove that obstacle. Okay, I asked everybody, if you've got a cell phone, I want you to pull it out right now. You're going to use it, all right? Go ahead, bring it out. I want to see the blue glow on your face. I want you to bring out your cell phone, and I want you to fill in that blank for me. God is blank. And I want, to text your, I want you to text your answer, okay? Because nobody's going to know who you are, right? It's just going to show up on an account. That's it, all right? I want you to text your answer to 781-CTK-TEXT, okay? You can do it now. You can do it in an hour, a couple hours from now. Just do it at some point because I really want to hear what you think and how you would honestly fill in. And just fill in it honestly. If God is merciful, say that. If God is holy, say that. If God is cruel and you don't understand Him, just say that. I got a couple of other methods that you can communicate. You could email me, okay, at godis at ctkbellingham.com. Or if you're proficient in Facebook and Twitter, you can just do hashtag CTKGodIs and it'll fall in the feed and we'll be able to just gather all of this information. I want to tell you, okay, this is not American Idol. We're not voting for the top answers, okay? I just want to hear you speak to me. Talk to me. Say what's really on your heart without a filter, without a Sunday school answer. Just give me what God really is. Be honest. And then we're going to speak to it, okay? Before we dive into this entire series, I want to tell you, I'm just going to lay all the cards on the table. This is the goal of this series, okay, for all of us. We're going to challenge our own answer to the question, who is God? We're going to fill in. I find that people either answer way too quickly, they just slam an answer in there to make themselves feel better, or they don't want to answer it at all, Okay? We can be so quick to just kind of snap in the answer. What we want to do is move beyond the understanding that we have right now and allow God to be able to speak. And we're going to allow God to fill in some of those answers. That's the second goal. We're going to allow God to speak for himself. So I'm going to try and give room every single week for God to be able to speak and fill in that particular blank. I'm going to warn you on the front end. When God fills in a blank about himself, there are times when we're going to go, oh, yes, that's good. There's going to be other times we're going to go, oh, no. Because it's going to change the way we have to do Monday through Saturday. But let's stick with it and walk in it together. We're going to struggle with all the parts of God's character that defy human explanation and are shrouded in ministry, uh, mystery. I'm also going to tell you, we're not going to run from the uncomfortable moments, okay? There are going to be some uncomfortable moments. We're going to address, here's another goal, we're going to address the false narratives that many people have assigned to God. I mean, I grew up in church, and I can't believe the number of times that because there was a guy at the front with a microphone strapped to his head, that everything that he said must be true, and I took all of that understanding and just slapped it on God and went, let's call it good. Let me tell you where that got me. I grew up in most of my adult life believing in the core of my soul that when it came to Grant Fishbook, God had one of two responses. He was either sad or mad. And that was it. That's how I grew up. That God's response every time my name got mentioned was just like, God, when's that guy finally going to figure it out? 
I was blown away when I started reading the book of Psalms and actually saw that when my name is mentioned in God's presence, that God's response is not one of sadness or madness, but that actually, according to the Bible, he breaks out in the Hebrew form of an Irish jig, dances and spins in a circle and goes, that's my boy. That blew, like, how, what do you do with that? Like God went all river dance when he heard my voice? Really? But most of us don't think that way, right? It's just like, no, when my name gets mentioned in heaven, it's kind of like, God, what a screw up. Just failing over and over and over again. Someday, someday, I hope he gets it finally. We're going to address the false narratives about God. I mean, I'm just amazed how so many of us, we just compile a series of colored lenses as we're walking through life and we just keep assigning them thinking that's got to be the way God is. I want to challenge those of you who are veterans. Some of you are like, I I pretty much know who God is. Really? You you can boil God down to a list and yeah, that's pretty much how he operates. I got it. Pretty much got this one. We're going to call it good. I'll see you in about four or five months, Grant, somewhere in that neighborhood. Can I say this to you? If you can boil down God, if you think you've got a handle on God, that's not him. That's not him. Let's keep going. Here's another goal. We're going to ask the tough questions and embrace the tension. That means we're not going to run from the tough answers. We're going to press in until it hurts. We're going to do some really, really hard work. You need to know how hard this is for me because I'm a pastor. I'm a shepherd, right? So every week when I sense there's tension in the room, this is what I want to do. I want to like, no, 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 you're okay. You're okay. You're okay. You need a hug? Let's hug. Okay, we're good. And we'll tie a nice little red bow on the top of it and you can feel better. It's okay. Off you go because I don't want to upset you. I don't want to tick you off. I don't want you thinking that God's just like kind of, mm, no, 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 no. We're all good. We're not going to do that some weeks. In fact, some weeks you're going to walk out of here and go, wow, what do I do with that? Can I make you a promise? I'm not going to ask you to walk through anything I'm not willing to walk through myself. So can we just do it together? Can we have the hard conversation? As we approach God, I want to make sure that we understand this, okay? I'm not having a spiritual faith crisis right now. I'm not going to walk out here one week and go, yeah, I'm out. It's not the way this is going to go down. I am more convinced than ever that God is God. I'm more convinced than ever that what is between the two covers of my Bible, while it may make me uncomfortable, is God's spoken word to each one of us. I get so frustrated when people say, God doesn't speak to me. I'm like, It's right there. You ever read it? Nope. But God doesn't speak to me. Okay, well, let's change that. I am more convinced than ever that God is so unbelievably relevant in our world today. So when we approach God, you need to know that I'm doing it from a place of conviction. And I believe that God exists. And I believe that God is in this room right now. And I believe that you are not here by accident. I think every single one of you was appointed by God Almighty himself to be in this place at this time to walk this journey with me. But as we approach him, we are going to approach him humbly. Let me tell you why. The Bible says God opposes the proud, gives grace to the humble. So I think we should probably approach him humbly, right? Even though for some of you baby in the room and go, I don't believe in God at all. Well, on the off chance that he may actually exist. The Bible says we are going to meet him one day and we're all going to bend a knee. 
I just think it would be wise for us if we assumed that position before we actually approached him and allowed him to fill in the blank. So we're going to open up the doors and learn about God's existence and God's character. And some days we're going to look at God's mystery and we're going to have to walk through it together. So as we begin, I think we need to begin with an assertion about God because this can get confusing for people, okay? As we walk through this series, at different times we're going to be interchanging the name of God. He's going to move in and out of the dialogue as we walk through this. Where this is coming from is simple. God in His infinite wisdom has decided to express Himself in three persons, and it's the mystery of the Trinity. We did an entire series on it. We got to the end of the series. We preached on it for like four weeks, and when we got to the end of it, we basically said, and God is bigger than our understanding, and human explanations of the Trinity just seem to not quite cut it. But this is how God has expressed Himself, and this is where we get kind of sticky sometimes. God has chosen to express Himself with this statement, God is Father, okay? This is a tough one for many of us because our earthly father may not have lived up to expectations. And our disappointment in that father may color our view, and yet all the way through Scripture, God keeps referring Himself to a father, a father who loves and disciplines, guides and admonishes, protects, and at times will even honor our request to be left alone while we go off and do our own thing. So God expresses Himself as Father. Secondly, God expresses Himself as, with this statement, God is Son, otherwise known as Jesus. People seem to have an easier time with this one. They're very, they're very easy to say, oh, Jesus was a great man, wonderful teacher, great morality, taught me, in essence, what it meant to be good. Many people are very comfortable. They even revere the teachings of Jesus. They just start crawling off the bandwagon when Jesus starts making claims that He's not only the Son of God, but God the Son Himself. And then He starts doing miracles that don't hold scientific weight in certain people's opinion, which is actually a definition of exactly what a miracle is, something that defies human reason. The Bible says God is Jesus. We're going to hear that. God is Father, God is Jesus all through the series And we have to make sure we don't miss the third member of the Trinity, that God is Holy Spirit. Okay, this is a tough one. Someone said last night, Grant, I just have a tough time with that one because putting God in the same category as Casper the Friendly Ghost, that just doesn't line up for me. And I said, and so it shouldn't, okay? The Bible says God is Spirit, and that's hard for people. You know, we may be open to God as a comforting force or an inspiring problem solver, but we get a little bent out of shape when the Holy Spirit begins to step into His role as the convictor of sin or the tough speaker of truth. So we're going to walk into all three. Can can everybody just, can can we just notice something here though? Um, Does anybody else notice that there's no blank where you get to put yourself in that trinity? Okay, it's not a quartet, doesn't include you or me, for the love of God, please, okay? Now, some people may ask, where in the world does that come from? Where does this three distinct persons within the solitary form of God, how in the world does that go together? Let me show it to you, Luke chapter 3. The Bible says, when all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. 
As he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love, with you I am well pleased. So God the Father pronounces a blessing on God the Son. God the Holy Spirit descends in the form of a dove, lights on the Son. The Son and the Holy Spirit give glory back to God the Father. And God the Father's response is, that's my boy and you should listen to him. All the members of the Trinity in one place at one time in two verses happens another place. You rewind the story of God. It's consistent all the way through, all the way back to Genesis. Genesis chapter 1. It says, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, plural, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. In our likeness, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and all the creatures that move along the ground. God is saying as a trinity in the mystery of how that works in this perfect relationship, out of that we're going to create man and woman and we're going to give them dominion over this planet. Let's go New Testament, John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, Jesus. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Him. And without Him was not anything that was made that was made. In Him was life, and life was the light of man. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So all the way through the series, you're going to hear us interchangeably using God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We're always referring to the same mysterious, good, and beautiful God. So we started with Jesus asking a question to a group of people. Who do people say that I am? I think that's a valid question in the 21st century. Some people see God as Morgan Freeman. Some people see God according to a song lyric. We're going to approach this seeing God from the Scripture, because that's where God gets to speak for Himself and fill in the blank. And we're going to have a calm, logical, reasonable conversation and allow God to fill in that blank. We're going to struggle with some of them. The number one response that I got when I said God is, even though I sent it out to mostly a group of Christians, was God is cruel. Let's unpack that. Next week, okay? Come and watch me squirm. It's going to be awesome. Okay? So I asked the group the same question. Who do people say that I am? And then Jesus asked an individual an even more personal question. I love the fact that Peter's the guy that sticks up his hand and said, I'll fill in the blank for you. You know what I love about Peter? He was messed up. He's just messed up. He's a coherent, thinking, blue-collar kind of guy who got his life turned upside down. At the end of his life, I'm pretty sure when he was standing at the foot of the cross, looking up at Jesus, that he was filling in the blank this way. God is dying, apparently. Three days later, he changed the blank. We'll talk about that one Easter Sunday morning. Should be fun. But in this moment, he's actually filled with unbelievable conviction. Peter fills in the blank this way. Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ the Son of the living God. So here's what I'd like to invite everyone to do, and just so you know how I'm praying for you over the weeks and the months to come. My prayer is that if you already believe that that is a true statement, that you will embrace that statement with a deepening level of passion that will push you to take your belief in Jesus outside of the one hour that you give to Him on a Sunday morning. 
if you don't believe in that statement, my only request is this. Would you be willing to have the conversation? Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. I've got a buddy. He's about as far from God as a human being can possibly be. And the other day, we're having one of these conversations, and we're sitting, we're having a talk, and kind of sharing our stories back and forth, and it's not antagonistic, it's not angry, we're just talking through the regular stuff, and he totally melted my brain as I'm getting ready to leave the coffee shop, and he says, Grant, I'm scared. I'm like, why would you be scared? What if I'm wrong? Let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. When we talk about pain, I don't stand up here as a person that has experienced no pain in his life. I don't have this insulated, beautiful, little, pretty story. I was on a fast track to hell, and Jesus interrupted me and saved my life. Not just figuratively, literally, He saved my life. I think we all get to a place where we've got to ask that question. We fill in the blank so quickly. What if we're wrong? What if we're right? Let's talk about it. Welcome to God Is. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for an opportunity to open your word and hear you speak for yourself. I thank you for a hope that comes out of knowing you. I thank you that you are not intimidated by this conversation in the least. I thank you that your heart is full of joy today because we're trying to step into a conversation that you invited us into. So, Father God, would you help us to wrap our minds around an endless conversation, a conversation that forces us to ask, if God is trustworthy, so what? If God is kind, so what? If God is faithful, so what? If God is cruel, how did we get there? Is He really? So, Father, as we walk into this, I'm asking for your wisdom and your heart. God, I pray that our minds would be focused completely and totally on you. God, I pray for the convinced and the skeptical. As we walk through this series, may we truly embrace, all of us, the truth of who God is. And we pray these things in your precious holy and matchless name. And all God's people said,